Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hunt. Ryan, which day are we on? How are you doing? I'm all right. How are you? I'm good. I went a bit silly this week. As we can see from the hair, it's all gone. Cut my hair off. It looks quite good, actually, the haircut. Thanks, mate. I think it works. Thanks. I think it works. It took me ages. I was thinking it's very much like when Del Piero got short hair. And at first, everyone was like, oh my God, Del Piero's got short hair, but then he got used to it. My hair was just getting really long and really annoying. And I thought, this is way too much stress for someone who can't go outside. Yeah, that's true. But I didn't go a full, um, you know, full shaved head. Yeah, exactly. Full metal jacket. I ran it past my old uh, barber in Manchester, shouts to Damo, because I was asking him for tips. And he was like, send us the final thing. So I sent it to him and he was just like, whoa, <laughs> it took me so long, man. He really liked it though. He was well, really happy. not the worst thing in the world. But I ended up with a moustache as well. Strange week. We've talked about it so much. You need to uh, probably post, Sorry. post content online. Don't worry Do you have it. any content? No, I've got no content. Really? But we will be doing an Instagram live this week. Yes, that's right. That's right. You and I are going to be having a chat on Tuesday night. Yep. At what? 8 p.m. Berlin time, which is 7 p.m. UK time. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So make sure if you're not following us on Instagram, go to Stadio Football on Instagram. We'll post the times beforehand and we're going to be doing like a live Q&A, you and me, because what else are we going to do? Should we get drunk? Yes, exactly. Oh God. Get drunk on air. <laughs> And <laughs> um, before we move on, we are going to do Thursday's episode about passing. Yes. So we're going to do a FOTMOD piece before that, I think, which will be some of our all-time favourite passes. And we're going to find the YouTube clips for them. Yeah. We'll post that from the Twitter and the Instagram. So keep an eye out for that. It'll only be on FOTMOB. It won't be on our site. And then we're going to be talking about passing, our favourite passes, our favourite passers. And we'll be putting a call out for questions and suggestions on that on Tuesday or Wednesday. Awesome. Yeah. And I've been thinking a lot about it, actually, the different elements of yeah. you know, what makes a perfect passer. It's going to be good. Uh, so yeah, if you yeah, haven't already downloaded the FOTMOB app, go and get it. It's available on iOS and Android. Shouts to FOTMOB. Good people. Even when there's no football on. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, man, they're really good for just keeping you in the loop. Especially with all the stuff that's going on at the moment with was it Spurs and Liverpool and the furloughing stuff. And we were going to talk about that a little bit today, but we kind of thought it's a bit of a downer. Can I just throw something in, actually? Because there's a conversation about what footballers should do to help society. Um, I've got a lot of friends who work in financial services, you know, all across. And don't get me wrong, they don't really well for themselves. I haven't heard... If I'm honest, I haven't heard conversations from senior figures in the financial sector about how they're going to pledge significant parts of their salary um, towards the salaries of, let's say, kitchen workers, the post room. Do you know what I mean? Like, I haven't heard that conversation. And so I'm just a bit, um, I've just got a really big problem. And I want to say this quickly with how in the UK people talk about money and how, and who makes it and who should contribute and who shouldn't. And I really think it's great that people who are making millions are contributing to those who don't make as much money. I'm just concerned that it's not happening across all industries. And there seems to be a focus upon football. And don't get me wrong, I'm not unhappy there's a focus, but I sometimes feel it's like, because these are the people earning a lot of money that are most visible in the public eye, we feel it should fall to them primarily. Whereas I'm like, shouldn't this be a collective effort? If we're going to learn anything from this, isn't it about 
the importance of collective efforts across sectors. Mm. Like you and I, like we're not, you know, we're not loaded by any stretch, but we're doing our bit. We're staying at home. You know, we are denying ourselves a lot of pleasure being out, seeing people. There's so many people I want to see and hang out with and just hug and chat to, right? That's my contribution. And of course, like I've given a bit of money here and there. There was a really amazing charity the other day. I remember thinking, God, I wish I was earning lots more money because I'd love to give more to them. It was actually Women's Refuge. Mm. Shout out to Lauer London, L-A-W-A London, who running an amazing hotline for refuges because domestic violence has absolutely rocketed since the shutdown, as Evan said it might. So I suppose what I want to say very quickly before we move on is this has to be a collective effort, not just of time, but of money. And I really wish the conversation was more broad across sectors about what wealthy people could give to those who are key workers. I second that. Okay. Should we talk about what ifs? We're doing what if part two today because it was so much fun last time. We thought we'd do another one and we've got some crackers. Yeah. The first what if from Tommy Lindgren. What if Musa or Ryan could do a quantum leap a la Sam Beckett into a player's shoes at any particular moment in football history? Where would they go and why? Do you want to go first? Yes. Okay. Battaglia. Battaglia was a defence midfielder, played for Boca Juniors. He was. And he played in that great team with Raquel May and Tevez. And I just think playing for that Boca team as like a DM who played all the games, right? And who got to play with Raquel May and Martin Palermo and Carlos Tevez, win the Libertadores and then beat... Real in the World Club Cup. I think that would have been so amazing because it's the closest thing Argentina have had to winning the World Cup since winning the World Cup. And so you'd get, you get to play at Boca every week. You get to play with these amazing players. And I think being a defensive midfielder is the coolest thing in the world because you're like just famous enough that everyone knows you. You're just famous enough that like everyone knows you. Like the drummer in Coldplay. Yes, exactly. Do you know what I mean? That's perfect. So you get the money, you get the recognition, but you don't get the kind of obsessive fandom, but you still got all your really, really rich guys and the cool guys on WhatsApp. So you get access to that world, but you haven't got to be that world. And you're like, everyone quotes you as the most important player in the team, even though no one actually rates you outside of the club. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's the whole energy. That is (laughs) big defensive midfielder energy. (laughs) I mean, mine is nowhere near as niche. All right. So... Take a walk with me. It's a Saturday afternoon. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> it's the 31st of October 2009 and Robin Van Persie has just put Arsenal 1-0 ahead against Tottenham Hotspur. They're replaying the goal and during that time, Arsenal captain Ryan Hun has robbed the ball back already. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know what this is. I know what this is. <laughs> Nicked it off Wilson Palacios and smashed it home past Aurelio Gomez. <laughs> and has sprinted towards the quarter flag. The crowd has gone wild. The crowd's gone wild. Arsenal are now 2-0 up. I've scored the goal. We'll go on to win 3-0. We don't win anything that season. And I will actually never win anything else at Arsenal. Before I leave to Barcelona because of my Barcelona DNA. But <laughs> at that moment in time, that goal... I would have loved to have scored that goal. You know what? That is so brilliant. In terms of an individual goal, that's such a great answer because that goal is like, you know, it's a great goal when people from different clubs get chills about it. It's one of the few goals where the line between player and fan is almost invisible. Like when you see his reaction to scoring it, there's a moment of, I can't believe I've just done. There are several goals at this in football history. Well, several. There aren't a huge amount, but there are a particular amount. Um, So. Mario Goetz's goal 
in the World Cup final where he walks around in a daze for the next two minutes because he's like, oh my goodness, I did it. Yeah. And you're seeing in his face how a normal person processes the moment because it's so big. Another World Cup final as well, funny enough. So when Tardelli bursts into tears after scoring in the World Cup final 82 against Germany, against West Germany, you see him burst into tears because it's like, oh my God, like I've literally dreamed of doing this king that every kid dreams of doing in a World Cup final. And he just can't, it's overwhelming. And the, the Fabregas, Fabregas's reaction after scoring that goal is like... It's amazing. Yeah, because he feels it. All right. This is a really good one from the Don that is Marcelo Mora y Araujo saying, I've known for some time that if Ortega hadn't been sent off for the headbutt against the Netherlands in 1998, the entire history of everything would have been different from there on. I met him years later and said, you know chaos theory, you were the butterfly. He just stared at me. <laughs> That is so, so brilliant because that's exactly what I would expect her as a journalist to have the confidence and the creativity to say to him. And that's exactly how I'd expect him to respond. That's the most Ortega response to a question that profound. I mean, are we going to do a what if there or? Uh, On 98. Okay, it's funny. So very quickly. So Fernando Duarte replied and he said, if you'd beaten Holland, we would have handled you in the semi-final." And I was like, I felt like saying, yeah, but if Maradona hadn't been done for drugs in 94, I think that 94 team wins the whole thing. Mm. I think that Argentina team wins the whole World Cup in 94 and they would probably lose in 98 because the Brazil team was stronger. The Brazil team in 98 had great force, great power. It would have been some game that though. Oh my goodness, yeah. Because all bets are off. Yeah. A World Cup semi of that Argentina against that Brazil. I mean, that's spicy. I don't think Argentina get through that. In 98? No, no, not 98. I don't think so. 94, they were the Death Star. They were the Death Star, 94. Don't forget how good they were, even without Maradona Mm. and the stress of losing him. They were extraordinary. I just love that. He just stared at me. Incredible. (laughs) Oh, right. There were a few that were kind of related to the ones we did last time. So there was a lot about, you know, Barcelona 2008, some Arsenal ones, some about Sir Alex Ferguson and Manchester United and retirement and stuff like that. So we kind of swerved those because we kind of covered topics similar to that on the last one. Yeah. But there were a couple of really great Man United ones that I would love to cover. First one's from Ali Jameson. said, what if Manchester United had a working fax machine? Oh, okay. That's brilliant because that refers to... But there was a follow-up, sorry. There was a follow-up that said, what can be extrapolated from this is, who's the best keeper Louis van Gaal could have likely signed? Would he have stayed? And where would Mourinho have finished in that second place season without David De Gea? Wow, okay. Um, The real issue was, I think Van Gaal would have got a footballing goalkeeper. And that changes everything because if you look at the games where United were at their best, it's when the Van Gaal system works to perfection. So when they beat Liverpool 2-1 away at Anfield, when they beat Manchester City 4-2 at Old Trafford, at one point United actually lead the league under Van Gaal. They were looking pretty tasty at one point. So in 2015 this was? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting because United, we've got Kellen Navas and he's not, Kellen Navas is not a footballing goalkeeper, but he has held his value and his performance level much more robustly than, than De Gea did. Here's the thing though, if De Gea goes, I don't think Real win three in a row. Navas's role in those victories is extraordinary. Think, yeah. All right. Okay. So maybe... De Gea goes, I reckon maybe they win one. Yeah. There were a couple of saves that he made in really key games throughout the second one and the third one, which were like game changers. Right. Extraordinary. All right. So 2015. So, so De Gea goes, maybe they win one. 
But this means that Courtois stays at Chelsea because De Gea will still be at Real Madrid. Yeah. Which means that Ariza Belaga stays at Athletic. Which is a better fit for everyone, really. But then we don't see the emergence of Unai Simon. I think that, yeah, true. But, but in terms of Courtois' arc, it's better for him to have stayed at Chelsea, I think. Because you get to be part of a rebuild with a young team and young players. I wonder if Real would have done better last season. Courtois just never looked as convincing at Real. Like he's never been the main pillar in that team. Yeah, well, I don't think he's been in good form for a long time, Thibaut Courtois. I agree. I agree. Very strange. He made one or two really amazing saves that kind of, I think, papered the cracks a little bit. But I'm just trying to think if there were, would be any other knock-ons. Thibaut Courtois be at Chelsea. Who's at Man United then? Navas. Yeah. Still? Yes, why not? And also, like, it's better for De Gea's form for his country, maybe, because you go to Real, you're in Madrid, you're playing behind winners the whole time. You're not, like, in this crisis management mode, which he's been in. He's been in crisis management mode for so long. And that's a problem for a goalkeeper. Like, the abnormal amount of shots on target, if we go to the related question about where United finish if De Gea's not there, they could have come as low as fifth or sixth. United's finishing was some of the worst anywhere in the league. I'm not sure that this shifts a huge amount of stuff in terms of trophies, though. No, I don't think I it don't does. really think it shifts the needle that much for Man United having Navas in goal instead of David De Gea for the last five years. It does in the league. It does in terms of league positions, I think it does, definitely. You think they maybe dip? Oh, sorry, no, no, sorry. But Navas is so good as a shot stopper that actually it would have been better for United to get him looking back now. Looking at how Navas has maintained his level, I think United actually do just about as well again. Like, because their problems aren't in goal primarily in the last... Even, even with De Gea's poor form, even with his substandard form, United's problems elsewhere on the pitch have been far greater. Like a substandard De Gea is still better than 70% of goalkeepers. You know, he's just, he's now just a very, very good goalkeeper as opposed to top three, which he was for, I would say, three or four years. That's really interesting. Let's do another th- theoretical one then, staying on Man United. Yeah. This one's from, we've got a couple from Priya Ramesh that we're going to talk about. Hey, shout out to Priya. First one is, what if Manchester United had actually signed Wesley Schneider? So this was when he was at Inter, right? Whoa, we've been after him. It's weird because the Schneider thing's been there for so long. He was like Bruno Fernandes 1.0. Yeah, he was constantly, but no, he was more like that. We had another guy that, Nicholas Gaitan. Oh. Do you ever play football manager? There was always that player that was available, but you could never get them. Gaitan is nearly signed for every Premier League top five club for every season for about 25 years. With no disrespect, I'd never call an individual player a catfish. But in terms of a transfer being a catfish, that is the greatest transfer catfish of all time. Transfer rumour catfish. Yeah, yeah, that, that's the one. That is the one. And if we're going to be like, cause I don't like to call individual players catfish because it's a bit harsh, but because also catfish is about a systemic failure. It's an energy. Yeah, it's an energy. But in terms of an energy... It's a vibe, man. It's a vibe. It's not, this is not Gaitan's fault by any measure, but his transfer rumour is the ultimate footballing catfish. I can't think of a greater one. So what if Wesley Snyder had gone to Manchester United under Alex Ferguson? In 20... Oh my goodness. Okay, that changes. Well, it kind of links into what we were talking about with our first what if. Maybe the Aguero goal is irrelevant. If Snyder goes to United at that point, United win the league a year earlier and then Guardiola gets to work with Schneider. So if people hadn't listened to the first what if, we went through what happened if Sergio Aguero doesn't score against QPR. But basically... The same thing would happen if Wesley Schneider had gone to Manchester United. Right. Same outcome. Is that what yeah. we're going with? Yeah, absolutely. Because Wesley Schneider working with, oh my goodness, can you imagine like 
Well, obviously, you never get to work with Van Persie, that would have been incredible. Ooh, well, actually, though, think about this. So if Schneider goes to Manchester United and wins the league, and Pep right. goes to Manchester United, maybe Van Persie does go to Manchester United. Yes, because he was going to go to City at one point. There was a thought, do you know what? That's actually wild, because Schneider and Van Persie playing together for United would have been liquid. I mean, not for me, but thanks. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you can imagine, even you, I think it's asking, it's a bit of a stretch to ask you to appreciate that. Begrudging admiration. Yeah, I don't, it's asking a bit much. It's asking a lot for you to be excited about a hypothetical situation where Van Persie leaves and plays you. I, I, my captain still gets torn away from me the year after the other one did. <laughs> no, I think that maybe happens though. That'd be fun. God, that would be fun. The football. And that Manchester United side looks totally different yeah yeah absolutely. maybe they bring all the boys in ferguson has got rid of rooney in the off season that's happened ferguson definitely gets rid of rooney if, if schneider comes rooney's out rooney's off the chelsea or and pep brings someone like maybe brings tiago oh no now now i'm angry and now i'm angry because that's exactly what he would have done he would have brought tiago mm. because any new club he went to he's like tiago or no one else Wow. I was thinking about this the other day, actually, how Thiago Alcantara, low-key the most underrated world-class midfielder, because he's won so many straight with Bayern, and because he's just sort of quietly gone, you know, in the first couple of years, he had some injuries as well. He's quietly gone to Bayern and just won every single year. And when he's in, when he's there regularly, Bayern just win. It's just what happens with Thiago. Thiago is one of the rare players that whenever I watch live, I find myself watching everything he does, even if he's nowhere near the ball. Yeah. It's completely mesmerising. Honestly, his movement and his intelligence and his just game awareness is... He's so far ahead. He's so far ahead. Yeah, he's unbelievable. Uh, let's take a break and then we'll come back and we'll do some more what-ifs. All right, we're back from the break and we're going to start this second half with another one from Priya Ramesh. After Marcella's one, there was a bit of a conversation going on Twitter and Priya came up with one which kind of blew our minds, right? So she said, the one that is lesser known would be that Ajax were very, very close to signing Ronaldo before PSV. And I always wonder how that would have panned out in that amazing mid-90s team. I mean... The mind is utterly blown by that. I don't think it lasts more than a couple of years. I don't think it does, only because if you look at the path of his career at that point and the kind of money that he was going for, I don't think they hold on to him for more than a couple of years. But in that time, I think that's two Champions Leagues. Do you think they win one the year before? We're in 90, what, 94, 95? Well, no, because they won in 94, 95, didn't they? Yeah. And then 95, 96, I think they beat Juventus. Okay, so Ronaldo signs in 94 and he's at PSV until 96. So basically, yeah, I reckon Ajax win the second one. Yes, I don't doubt that at all. They win the second one. Because they go all the way to the final anyway. Yeah, they only lose because uh, Sonny Salua misses a penalty or gets a penalty saved. I mean, the margins are so small. That doesn't go to extra time. That final does not go to extra time. I'd put good money on that. If there was like a time travel betting machine, I'm not a betting man, but I bet money they win two straight. But I mean, if you think about it, so he goes to Barcelona in 96. If he stays, though, let's say he does an extra year, so he stays at Ajax until the end of the 96-97 season. 
Ajax have won two straight, beating Juve in that second year. Sadoff leaves in 95. Right. I think he stays. I think he stays. I think if Ronaldo's there, he stays. Here's another take on it as well. If Ronaldo wins the Champions League at Ajax, he doesn't have the desire to go elsewhere and win the big prizes. Two years in a row. Right. If he wins two years in a row. So what happens then is he does make a move, but he makes a move to a club which is already as big, which is one stuff. So he goes somewhere like Juventus. He doesn't go to like Barca because also he's done, he's reached the mountaintop. You go from PSV to Barca to get a chance to get close to the mountaintop, right? But he's reached at Ajax. He never won a Champions League Ronaldo. Imagine if you achieve that element of your trophy cabinet. So what happens then is you've got Ronaldo with two Champions League under his belt by 996. Mm. That is terrifying because then it means he goes to I mean, at that point, it was like someone like Juventus or somewhere else. He goes to the very best team. I mean, he goes to Inter in 97, doesn't he? He goes straight to Inter, you think? I just wonder how different that Ajax team looks at the end of the 90s. If they have a real chance of dominating Europe and they've won two straight, I wonder how many of that lot leave. I think they leave anyway. I'm not convinced all of them go, though. And therefore, I wonder if maybe the Real Madrid move happens earlier, but the Barca and Inter moves just don't happen. So maybe he goes to Real Madrid in like 99. Yeah, I don't, think Bar- I don't think Barca or Inter happen because the second you've won two Champions Leagues, then everyone is banging on your door. Oh, but do you know what? I could see them winning another one in that late 90s. Maybe they beat that Dortmund side in 97. I don't think he's there for that. Well, we just said he's going to be there for three years. No, you did. I don't. I don't think he'll be there for three. You don't think? But so where's he going in 96? I think, okay, so who could, who could afford him but wouldn't take him? Because they've already, like, you, they've already got the little sort of in Zaghi Del Piero, they're happy with that, right? So I think he goes to Real. Because who have Real got? Suker, Miatovic. He goes straight to Real and he teams up with Roberto Carlos, Redondo, Raul. Like that Ronaldo teaming up with that Madrid at that time, that's terrifying. And then he goes in a run with them. I think that, I think that would have transformed Real Madrid like in the early 2000s. I mean, I know they won. Yeah, maybe. I know they won three out of five, but in terms of what, I think he goes to Real after Ajax because they need a forward. Don't forget, like Juve don't need a striker, right? I wonder whether Ajax become more of a powerhouse at that time. Well, yeah, because I think they do because what happens is they become the kind of go-to, like these things have, uh, what's the word? Trends. If people come from Brazil, they have that with Romario at PSV. I don't think that Ronaldo goes to PSV if Romario is not so big there, right? You come to Europe from Brazil, you want to go to a club where you'll get plenty of football in a shop window, then move on, or at least get good development. Not, so, not in the shop window sense, not so cynical, but your game develops. If Ajax becomes a place where Brazilian footballers can come and achieve the very best, like can go to the very top, then it creates a kind of conveyor belt. And then almost Ajax become a kind of like a, almost like a Porto type thing, a Porto of the North. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that could be that could that could be an impact where you have a lot more of that going on. And then what are the, what are the implications for Cruyff's role? Yeah. That's interesting actually. Ronaldo going to Ajax is a generational transfer. Yeah. It changes for sure. everything. Yeah. It changes everything. Oh. I love that one. Oh my goodness. That's, I think that's broken me that one. Do you know what I love about it so much? Do you know what's broken me mo- most about that? The thoughts of Yari Lipmanen leading a counterattack which is finished by Overmars and Ronaldo. Sadov just jockeying up behind. Show me a more terrifying counterattack than Ronaldo and Overmars in the mid-90s. It's so fast. 
Wow. I love that question so much. Thanks, Priya. Oh my goodness. Let's move on to some because we're taking our time. Yeah, we are. We are. We are. Taking our sweet, sweet time. I like this from Mateo. What if Messi had chosen to play for Spain? <gasps> then it's perfect. I think they're still winning stuff. Yeah, well, no, but not just winning stuff. They're winning exhibitions. Like they're winning. In, there's a, a great um, essay by Marcelo actually about Messi and the difference between him and Ronaldo. And the point being that the best Messi arrives in the best system. And Spain, the system was so perfect. Look at the false nine that Fabregas plays in the 2012 Euro final, right? Mm-hmm. Imagine Messi playing a false nine from the moment he arrives in the Spain team. That is so frightening. So they win in 2008 anyway. Yeah. They win in 10. They win in 10. Yeah. They win in 12. Yeah. So we know that. In 2014. Right. So they beat the Netherlands. Oh, so Costa started this game. Do you remember Costa had a real mare, didn't he? Yeah. Right. So you've got Casillas, Aspilicueta, PK, Ramos, Alba, Busquets, Javi, Iniesta, David Silva, Javi Alonso, and Diego Costa. And Torres, Fabregas, and Pedro came on. So imagine if you have a front three. Well, in 2014, you might as well just play the front three of... Barca. Yeah. Exactly. And then you've got the Barca midfield. You maybe keep Javi Alonso and David Silva on the bench. Then you're cooking. Then you're really cooking. They would have gone on a run like we've never seen. I think they beat Germany. Let's assume they get out of the group, right? Because we, obviously we just don't know. Yeah. But let's say they get to the knockouts in 2014. They beat Mexico. They beat Argentina. I think you're right. They may go to the final. They beat Chile. Or they draw. They might draw with Chile in the group stage because Chile were really good. I think they beat Chile. I just think you put Lionel Messi in that Spain side and it completely transforms it because they really struggle going forward in that tournament apart from Australia, yeah. apart from the Australia game. Yeah. But you have a front six essentially that has played together at club level and in the most, arguably one of the greatest club sides of all time. Yeah. And you just take them out of there and you put them in the national team. No basically, you're right. You're right. Messi with Spain is basically what Guardiola did with Barcelona. It's actually the same. Like the pieces are the same. The philosophy is the same. Because you've got to remember the thing about that German side in 2014 was they were really underwhelming for a lot of it. Yeah, they were. They were. I mean, they scraped through against Algeria. They were good in the groups though. They beat Portugal in the first game. It was comfortable, yeah. right? I think Muller got a hat trick. Yeah. They drew against Ghana. They beat the USA 1-0. And then they scraped through after, was it extra time against Algeria? It was, no, it wasn't. It was, late, it was, um, oh, it was Ozil got the... No, it was extra time. It was right at the end of extra time. Oh, then up 2-1, didn't it? Yeah, it was the last minute of extra time. But the game was extremely close, yeah. Yeah. They beat France 1-0 in the quarters. That was a shutdown, though. That was just France being France. And they obviously hammered Brazil in the semi. Spain-Germany final. I think Spain win that. Yeah, also remember, you take if he's playing for Spain, he's not playing for Argentina in that tournament. So Argentina don't go that deep. Spain have the evil eye over Germany, having beaten him in that semi by shutting them down in midfield. You add Messi on top of that, then it's, yeah, it's done. Do you reckon they win in 2014 then? I think so. Because with Messi in your team, it makes you do things that have never been considered possible before. So then we get to 2016. Yeah, and 2016 was kind of there for the taking, wasn't it? They went out to Italy, didn't they, in the round of 16. They beat the Czech Republic, they hammered Turkey, and they lost to Croatia in the groups, and then they went out to Italy. They looked amazing against Turkey. Mm. And I just felt like 
if that team had better finishing because the system was there, everything was there in terms of the actual build-up play. I mean, Iniesta was flying while well, he's always flying major tournaments. I mean, if you think at the time, that front three at that time that went out against Italy was Maratta, Nolito and David Silva. That's the worst Spanish front three in a long time. But you still had Fabregas, Iniesta and Busquets in midfield. It's the attack. Maybe you take Nolito out, David Silva left and Messi. I mean, to be honest, you put Messi in any of those Spain sides and I think they go all the way. What Dude, we doing? yeah, like, exactly. I'm not disrespecting Nolito. I'm not disrespecting, but if we're going to keep it 100, like, <laughs> if we're going to be on that level, you know. So do you reckon they go to the final against France? Does the draw take them that way? France came, had to go through Iceland, didn't they? So I think they were in the other half of the draw. Spain in the other half of the draw to France, I think. Spain have to go through Portugal. Well, then you get a Messi versus Ronaldo in a semi-final. Yeah, but it's not close. It's not close. Mm, I don't know. I, I think there's a genuine argument to be made. And I know a lot of people are going to come at us here because they'll, they'll, <laughs> they'll pull out Messi for Argentina and stuff like that. But I think you're dealing, this is a different, this is a completely different machine. Yeah, I think, there's an argument, I think there's an argument to be made that they at least get to the final in 2014. 2016 actually is one I'm a little bit on the fence about. Just the fatigue of winning year in, year out. Because that provides another problem. Can I throw this in as well? Um, one thing I didn't realise the other day about how hard it is to go on an extended run and how great these teams are for doing so. Juventus were basically a semi-final away to going to four straight Champions League finals. In, in, the 1990, in 1999. That doesn't get talked about enough. It doesn't get talked about enough because we talk so much about Real winning three straight and don't get me wrong, it was a great feat. Juve going to four straight Champions League finals in the mid-late 90s is astonishing. And they only got beaten by Man United who are playing out of their, they're playing like they were possessed. A late away goal by Ryan Giggs changes everything. But Juve always went to four straight. And I think the international level, to do that over... Yeah, that gets tough. Over alternate years, you know, and to retain the desire because it's not just like winning with players you see week in, week out. It's coming together every summer from completely different contexts, right? With different rivalries and all those other dynamics like PK and Ramos, well documented, like to bring that, to, to, to put that to one side and have like Casillas and Xavi being peacemakers... I think the three straight that Spain won is still an underrated feat. Yeah, I do. In international football. Like if you consider the dynamics that took and the continuity in that, there are a couple of figures that have the continuity. Obviously, Xavi has the continuity and Casillas. They're the kind of the anchors. Iniesta to an extent because he comes through in 08 Mm. in the later stages and then starts to dominate. But that feat, I think it will remain unparalleled in football history. I think. I don't think that will be done again. We'll never see that again, I don't think. Uh, yeah, I think 2014, and I could see them winning that one. I think that's it. And then you've got the two back-to-back Euros, back-to-back World Cups, back-to-back. Do you know why as well? Messi playing without the pressure of playing for the national team. Messi playing with freedom for Spain isn't, because it's not just Messi, it's Messi, like it's Barcelona Messi. That's, you know what, actually, Ryan, that's a terrifying, terrifying thought. Good Lord. It's the kind of thing where you'd have like, if Messi basically played for Spain, the amount of like documentaries you'd have on like ESPN, like Espana, like 30 for 30 about players being like in the training camp. It'll be like when Heath Ledger was on set doing the Joker and other actors will talk mm. in awe about what it was like to watch him do it, individual takes. You'll have like seasoned professionals talking about Messi in training at Spain going, you have no idea what it was like. Yeah. And even like playing for an adopted country 
he might take his performance to a different level. Man, this is... <laughs> what a question that is. Imagine. There were a few that we had about um, Arsenal and Barcelona and the Champions League final. There were a couple of others that we flagged up that we wanted to talk about, but maybe we, why don't we start the Instagram live with a couple of these on yeah, why Tuesday not? and we'll leave it for today. But again, thanks to everyone who submitted what ifs. This one, I thought this one was harder than the last one. This has made my head hurt a little bit. Because these are generational changes. Yeah. Like, like especially Ronaldo Ajax, even though I imagine in the second I saw that question from Priya, I imagined him in the Ajax kit and I'm like, this fits. This is so oh, perfect. It looks so good already. I can, yeah, I can see it in my head. Wow. Because look at, look at how much Cruyff loved Romario at Barca, mm. right? To have a kind of, there's something so perfect about the sort of the Dutch school and the Brazilian school. Do you know what I mean? Uh, Lee Roden wrote a great tweet talking about um, Ronaldo being one of the greatest improvisers in the history of football and how if he were a musician, he'd have played with Miles Davis. I loved that tweet so much. And I think there's something about the kind of combination of like, because Brazilian football doesn't get the credit for being intellectual. Yeah. That's Do you know what I mean? Shame. Like they make fun about the, the, the Jogo Bonito, the beautiful game, but there's such a cerebral aspect, even Ronaldinho, especially Ronaldinho. Ronaldinho was such an intellectual football. He was so cerebral, like his tricks always had a point. Mm. And you look at Ronaldo he had all the stepovers, but it was all, there was always a point to it. It was always to create space and exploit mismatches and create imbalances. You combine that with the Dutch school and think about the tuition that he would have received from Van Hal. because you look at the, like the Ajax players, they carry on playing the Ajax style years after leaving Ajax. Two years of tuition under Van Hal. you basically become you become what, what Marco van Basten would have become without injury. And here's the other thing as well. Does the injury even happen? Well, does he even yeah, go to, does, yeah. you, don't, you, don't, you, don't, you don't go to Serie A, you don't bulk up in that era because the late nineties, Evan was bulking up, yeah. right? Because you were doing, so Evan was bulking up to stay in pace with that. You basically get a lean fit Ronaldo going to Real in the late nineties. That is absolutely terrifying. Actually, that ends up being the greatest footballer in history. You reckon? I, th- I, th- I think it, I think I think it was that big. Uh, so congratulations to Priya who has broken Musa, absolutely broken. Um, thanks to everyone who submitted stuff. Like we say, we'll get into a couple more of these at the beginning of our Instagram live on Tuesday. So it'll be seven pm UK time, eight pm Berlin time. Yeah, we'll stick a tweet and a Instagram post about it, and it'll be Musa and I from different locations. I'll be on the Stadio account. You'll be on your account. Yeah, yeah. And you'll get the little split screen. One other thing, can I say um, a quick thank you to everyone who tuned in for the first ever Stadio session we did on Friday. Oh yeah, I forgot to even talk about that. For those who haven't checked it out, Ryan played a beautiful 90 minute set. Uh, <laughs> it was an absolute, I'm, I'm very biased because obviously I know Ryan yeah. and I know how gifted he is as a musician, but... Stop it. So Ryan, for those who don't know, he played this amazing 90 minute set um, using the Mixlr account. There's a Stadio Mixlr account. We share a link to it on our Stadio um, Twitter. Ryan plays for 90 minutes and plays like sort of lesser known tunes that are absolute joy. And I was in that Friday night and it was this kind of amazing community of a bunch of listeners from all over Alabama, from Karachi. Like it was just like this all over the world. And it was just like, and it, you also, you, you mixed in a lot of like football commentary as well. Yeah, so I mean, because we've been thinking about doing this for a while, haven't we? So we wanted to do yeah, this yeah. thing where, and I did mention that I was going to write a piece about this, and I 
haven't done it yet, but I will put it up this coming week. Yeah. And basically we wanted to do this thing where it was kind of like a mixtape, but alongside music, you'd have these mixed in bits of commentary from foot, from like classic goals or not necessarily classic moments, but just great football commentary. Yeah. And we were thinking about doing this and then we just chatted last week, didn't we? We actually decided on Friday that we were going to do it that night. Yeah. It feels right. Friday night. It feels like, you know, something that could be quite fun. Yeah. I mean, this is how we do it. It's Friday night. Yeah. It feels all right. I mean, there's a party here on the West side. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so yeah. So basically we just played a load of tunes, put some football commentary over. And I think we'll do another one of those. It was so cool. Radio Stadio. <laughs> <laughs> but it'll be better when we can do them together. It was an absolute joy. I was just listening in awe. Thanks, and uh, if anyone get a chance to listen in, check out the link. It it's so cool. Yeah, yeah. We posted yeah. the tweet with the link to, and it's got the track lists and what goals they were used for commentary and stuff. That's They're in the track list. So, yeah. Awesome. All right, we're going to get out of here. So don't forget to download the FOTMOB app and you'll see our article go up about our favourite passes. The next show will be up overnight Wednesday, Thursday. And don't forget to check the website stadio.football. We're on Twitter at Stadio. We're on Instagram at Stadio Football. Anything else you want to talk about? Uh, yeah, just um, if you do listen on Apple, please leave a review because it really helps to grow the podcast. Oh yeah, and a rating please. If you're going to say it right, if you're going to take the piss out of me, say it right. No, I, just, I really like... You're going to mock me. Mock me. Can I be honest? <laughs> the reviews have been really, really lovely by the way. They've been really lovely. Yeah. Thanks to everyone who has yeah. been leaving nice reviews. So yeah, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, rating a re- and a review, preferably five stars, would be super <laughs> lovely. Yes. <laughs> Hope you're all well. Stay safe, stay healthy. And we'll be back in a few days and we'll see you on Instagram Live Tuesday night. Catch you then. Oh, we haven't told what we played out on. <laughs> oh yeah, we haven't. <laughs> go for it, go for we're it. we playing out on Can't Cheat Karma by Zunes. So... I guess we're out of here then. Yeah, catch you later. Bye. A, B, C, D, paranoia's killing me. I'm dying on me, aching feet. What a way to go. Roll up, roll up. People always stroll up. So why don't you grow up? No, thank you. Big cats, small cats, some cats are fat cats. Those cats are bad cats. What we gonna do? There's an awful lot of people in the world who die. There's an awful lot of trouble on the streets these days And it doesn't seem to matter what you do or say If a change is gonna happen, gotta help it on its way A change's gotta come before too long, I know The peace has gotta come and I could be wrong, I know But I just don't know what I can do You don't trust me and I don't trust you I bet you wish you did and I know I do Why have you got secrets cause I know you have If you've got something to hide then it must be bad A change's gotta come before too long I know I come and I could be wrong, I know But I just don't know What I can do